Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. All right, guys, so welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Perfect podcast. And today we have got Axel Whitehead, the incredible guy. I'm going to run down his bio because he's had an amazing career and I was fortunate enough to ask him to come on the campaign and there was no hesitation. So he's very outwardly spoken about his mental health advocacy, but let's take it back. He's an Australian TV host, singer, musician and actor. He's had an incredible career, as I said, including hosting things such as video hits, The World's Strictest Parents, Formerly hosted a game show called The Wall. He also played Liam Murphy in Channel 7's Home and Away, which for anyone out there knows that Home and Away is one of the biggest soaps in Australia. I would say the world, really. I'm British, and I grew up watching yeah, Home it, It's massive. Um, he debuted his music career with the release of his first solo album, Losing Sleep, in 2008. Furthermore, went on to the US, where he began playing the role of Davis, a musician in the Showtime series Shameless. British version, mate. I did love US, still good, but I'm British through and through. Yeah, and yeah. Through. <laughs> uh, that bit. In several more hit shows in the US, including the incredible Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., recently returning to Australia, saw him head back to the screens on Australia's other hit show, Neighbours. So welcome to the show, Axel, mate. Thanks, man. Thank you very much. It's, uh, yeah, it's, this is such a beautiful conversation and you've done such a good job man such a good job and as you you know it's interesting when you start that conversation just how people go oh i've got a secret oh actually i can do this you know and and it starts to snowball man this is something that does not discriminate we're all humans it's part of the human condition um so yeah congratulations to you bro it's you've done incredible work man thank you mate and i appreciate i appreciate you coming on when i reached out to you that time because i know we was going backwards and forwards with schedules and when you finally That's came right. got to it and um, first of all, I always ask a lot of people, what, out of all the campaigns and everything, what drew you to the, the campaign in itself? Um, it's, it's something, I mean, when, when someone reaches out for, for a campaign or a charity or something like that, um, it's, it's usually quite specific and targeted to you know, an, an area, whether it be people that are affected by cancer or people that are affected by sexual abuse or, or I mean, the Red Cross, which is a lot broader. Um, but with mental health, it doesn't discriminate. It, it, it affects everyone, you know. And uh, I think in the last sort of 10 years, it's certainly become a conversation that, that, that is coming to the forefront and people are comfortable about talking about it and their understanding um, that it is just like physical health. It's like emotional health. It's like everything. You know, if you've got a busted leg, you go to the doctor. If you've got something, a thought process or a behavior pattern, you go and see a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a counselor. You know, it, it, it is, it is as important as, as any physical health. Um, so it's just, yeah, I, I just thought you were doing an incredible thing. And, and uh, there was just this innate kind of, um, impulse to, to get involved. Well, it, was, it, it took me back to the day that we met. So for anyone listening there, just to put it in context. So I asked people to go into kind of their safe zone and take them back to a space 
for a few moments so I can photograph them and get that one shot that captures their image. Firstly, I'll say, what was your response seeing yourself look vulnerable in an image like that? Because often when you're an actor, um, you can have still shots, but otherwise it's very glossy in a magazine or anything like that. So that would be my first question. And then second, what was it like when I asked you to, because I can remember so vividly, I literally put you in a box where I turned some music on, your favorite song that took you to a space. And That's afterwards right. I came back in the room and he was like, whew, that was, I just needed that. So <laughs> what was... Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so the first part of the question, um, sorry, what was that again? <laughs> what was your response when you saw your vulnerability? That uh, that's right. Um, I suppose the, the, the vanity side of me was like, what's the difference between me acting crying and me actually being vulnerable? And it was quite similar. You know, I mean, obviously when you're acting, you're trying to draw on something. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I suppose, I mean, it didn't, it wasn't sort of, uh, I, I suppose one of the, one of the things as, um, as a, as a man, we often try and I, I did see myself trying to cover up, mm. trying to cover up that vulnerability. I'd let it out. Then I'd go and try and be stoic and then let it out and then kind of rub it off or like, no, no, no everything's right. And, and probably catching myself in that cycle of actually going, Hey, I, it's, it, it's okay to be, you know, it's just like, it's another emotion. It's like laughing, but it's crying. Yeah. You know, I mean, socially there's a difference, but, but sort of technically as an emotion, there's no difference. Um, so, so catching myself trying to cover that, um, I suppose something that's put that popped out. Um, as far as the song and that moment, um, uh, through my sort of mental health struggles and addiction and a bunch of different things, you know, part of the process is, um, uh, I don't know if we're born with it or if it's, if it's nature or nurture, you know, if it's part of our childhood or trauma or situations that can, that, that can uh, certainly draw it out or, or if that, you know, if, if that's caused. Um, when I, my two older brothers, they went away to boarding school when I was young and then I was kind of, um, I was sort of on the farm by myself um, and my dad would be working and my mum would be doing her thing. And there was a sort of sense of loneliness um, as a kid um, at times. And, and, and that sort of listening to this song, uh, it, it sort of took me back to, to that. And um, as sort of I've done different therapies and bits and pieces, you know, part of the technique is to try and find the source of, of, of what that pain is or why we keep on repeating a behavior pattern or what causes it. And yeah, I suppose loneliness um, as, as a kid at times, uh, that, that, that was sort of something that triggered that song and that moment that you gave me. Mm. Isn't it amazing how something that we can, I did some inner child work lately through this campaign and it's yeah, amazing right. that you can suppress something that you wouldn't think of now that you've held so dear and it comes out in later life. And Isn't like, it unbelievable? I got something human... when I was four years old and I had to ask my parents, what was it? And they said, you was a happy child. I don't know. And then the lady I was doing it with said, it can be something literally as we would think it's in, insignificant moving up a year in school, but you could have built so much angst up moving that you could have just buried it. And then now it's come back to surface. And I was like, Whoa, isn't it incredible? Yeah. One, one little moment for, for, for a vulnerable mind and some big stressor can 
cause some different wiring, some different trauma, and then that compounds. And then as an adult, it comes out in different behaviors and different thought processes. Isn't that fascinating? Like oh, no. I had a similar thing. I went back to my parents. And I said, oh, there was this moment that I felt really guilty and really shameful and rah, rah. And they were like, oh, we just thought it was something small. And I was like, no, I still to this day create this thought process about guilt and shame sometimes mm. um, <clears throat> that, uh, that, uh, that, that, you know, this, this little four-year-old or six-year-old kind of played out this story. Um, and, and, and like part of me, when, when there'd be a conversation about bullying in school and that sort of stuff, it's like, you know, I got a little bit of bullied. Yeah. I, I got I bullied a little bit, you know, there was before I sort of knew more about mental health, like as far as the bullying conversation, I would sort of think, well, listen, you know, it, it's who, you know, it's part of the animal kingdom, survival of the fittest, you know, everyone gets bullied a bit. It, it creates resilience, rah, rah, and that sort of stuff. But I, I didn't have the, the understanding of actually that trauma to a young brain, how much that impacts future life, you know? And, and so now I, I really uh, think twice and, and, and sort of, I'm a lot more compassionate to that conversation and understand that you can't eliminate it. It's part of human nature, but we must be right on it because it can cause, you know, real damage, real damage to kids and, and, and later in life, you know? And I always ask this question to a lot of people in the entertainment industry because you've come a long way and you've obviously learned all this and had to go back and work on yourself in those sort of things. But then to go into a career where it's predominantly heavily judged for appearance, for looks, getting no's. And I suppose before you even knew, you've got these inner child demons, so to speak. And then on top of that, you're getting no's and you're getting kind of external validation, but then maybe wrong press and all that thrown at you, which then goes into your subconscious and then goes into self-doubt. So how have you navigated through all that on top of it all? Uh, well, I suppose my journey is like, why, why do I, why do I want, you know, because there's lots of time between gigs sometimes if you're not working or there's, as you said, it's a roller coaster. And often I, you know, at times of crisis, I, I, um, I think to myself, why do I do this? You know, what, what drives me? What honestly drives me? Um, and one of the things that I, that I, that I, came to and I realized as a kid and being the probably the youngest of three brothers was attention. You know, it would be these guys had come back from school and, and they'd get all the attention. And I, I would just kind of want to be part of the family unit, but it was sort of like the younger kid is sort of, you know, to be seen and not heard or sort of on the exterior. So I would have to create a show, create, you know, noise and, and jump on people's shoulders and often get in trouble for it. But, but it was me sort of being, you know, uh, and I was kind of born with some sort of sense of showmanship too. my, my, grandmother was very much it was very similar and no one in my family sort of has it but for some reason I've, I've got it but there's definitely this need for attention um which uh which i recognized and it was quite a confronting sort of conversation this is a realization this is probably younger in my um in my 20s and as i've got older um i uh i i don't need that validation as much um uh, and, and it's, it's, um, yeah, that was sort of in my twenties, in my thirties, it became more of, of, I mean, 
that, that was sort of acting, I suppose. I mean, TV and hosting and that sort of stuff became a job and I was very fortunate and, and I've got some great gigs and it's, you know, how I make my bread and butter. Um, but there, there still was this little bit of kind of look at me, look at me. Um, uh, as, as I've got older, it's become definitely more about the craft. And as far as music goes, like I, I, I've always been a musician. That's how I started. And it was about, you know, the love of improvisation and the love of playing and <clears throat> the camaraderie and all that sort of stuff. So that attention thing is kind of, dissipated um as far as the roller coaster and compounding the rejection and all that sort of stuff uh i probably use drugs and alcohol to be honest to kind of um to either keep up the adrenaline of working and not working or you know if there was a problem or there was something i was confronted with go out and get high go out and have a drink go out and have a party and also you know, when, if you've got a gig and you're making, you know, okay money or great money. Um, and especially if that addiction, like, um, you know, there has been a bit of addiction in my family and that sort of, you know, and I've definitely got that. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I would probably, um, just if, if I was in a shit place, I'd get high or have a drink, you know? Um, so that's sort of been, uh, something that I've really had to come to terms with. And now, um, after kind of crashing and burning a couple of times, I've, I've got a, I've managed to wrestle that beast and I've got a, I've finally got a handle on it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I absolutely love these conversations, these hard conversations. Cause it's like what we see. And one of my things, like I always talk about is disrupting social media because as a human condition, like we say, we do judge whether it's good or bad. However, if you have not walked in a mile in someone else's shoes, like for us to sit there on a soapbox and judge someone like yourself who's on a show and just what we see in magazines or anything. And then actually, um, I can't remember his name, but there's a, there's another actor and I heard an interview with him the other day and he said it best. He was like, he's just gone into the show home and away. And he was like, the first realization I had hit me that people were actually coming to see me. They were judging a character. They were coming to see a yeah. character. So I had a hard time. It was trippy kind of, disassociating myself and then the mental health that can come with that going are they coming to see me they're not then they're attacking me then the press is attacking me but then it's a character and it's not based on me and like so getting to know the that's, person behind the profession i absolutely love because you just never know yeah that's and um and someone has never taught that you know like mm -hmm. so, someone has never taught how to how to Psych, you know how to psychologically deal with the press or deal with fame and um uh and separate themselves from the two i mean part of me goes listen you signed up for it this is part of the journey you know you you have a great job um you're doing what you love um I mean, there's no other profession that you can have a great job and do what you love and you get a shitstorm from outsiders and, you know, a range of emotions and kind of, it's, it's such a bizarre profession, but it's, it's something you've got to deal with, you know? Um, I mean, I, I don't know how the big guys in Hollywood kind of do it. Like, I mean, I've seen what those guys have to, what, you know, what they have to go, go through and it's, it's something else, but that's, that's part of the game. Um, uh, something else I was going to say. Um, yeah, but, 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 uh, what was the question again? Just sort of disassociating yourself between the character and, and the, and the profession. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, 
yeah, no, no one teaches you how to do that, you know, and, and how to deal with it. I remember when I, when I first sort of got a public profile, I started in Australian Idol, a mate put me into that. And, and then I hosted uh, a music show channel, uh, video hits for channel 10. <clears throat> and um, the first time I was like 23, 24 and, I would get recognized. I'd be like, Oh, this is cool. And kind of, it <laughs> yeah. would sort of, for the first six months, I was like, Hey, man, can jack me out. You know, I, I'm the shit. And now I started to get really self-conscious. Like if you'd go somewhere, all of a sudden people would look at you or you'd, you'd go into a pub or a restaurant or a cafe or whatever. And, um, and people would look at you and sort of, you know, do these double takes or start sniggering. And I got really, really self-conscious. Um, and I was smoking a bit of pot at the time too. So then paranoia would sort of start to compound and that was a bad, bad situation. Um, and then sort of after a couple of years of it, I just got to the point where I would, um, I would not look for it or try and not recognize it. And, but it did, did take practice just to live as a, you know, as a, uh, to, to, yeah, to disassociate any of my sort of, needs or insecurities or any of that sort of stuff and just be normal and i think as you get older or, or for my, i can't speak for other people but for me as i got older um you know th that that need to validation and those insecurities they dissipate and um you know as you as i become sort of you know i come in and out of work um it, it's it's as i said before it's really about the work it's not about um, I mean the paycheck, you know, we all need a paycheck, but, but it becomes about the work and, and nothing else, you know, and the publicity side of thing is purely publicity and it's, uh, it's, it's not Axel Whitehead. It's a character, you know? Mm. Uh, I think if there's one thing that I've learned, like getting to know a lot of you guys in the entertainment industry and everything, what I wanted to kind of disperse because sometimes you'll get a question and go, Oh, celebrity, what do they know? They've got everything. And I'm like, but guys, realize when you're not working, you're not getting paid. And if you don't get paid and you can't pay an agent, you're not getting a gig. And if you're not getting a gig, you can't get a publicist to get in events. And then da, 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 da. I was like, you're quick to judge. This is what we need to be more mindful of because it plays with everyone's like mental health. And then mm. when it comes to kind of your story and you openly spoke about it. One of the things that I loved hearing you say, you... <laughs> when kind of you got let go by channel 10 back in, back in the day. And you said, I went from the penthouse to the shit house where mm. I reached out to people and nobody was there for me. How was that? I suppose in, in such a public arena when you'd been at the height of fame to suddenly people not even picking up the phone. Mm, that was a, that was a, a, a harsh realization about the industry, you know, um, uh, everyone you know it, it's everyone's livelihood but as soon as you're on the nose or not in favor mm. no one wants to be associated with you at all and, and that was i was uh, that was my first sort of taste of that because i developed great relationships with publicists and record companies and uh, a whole lot of people and i would sort of reach out for a reference or or to try and you know uh, continue another project that I was working on another show that I was pitching and absolute radio silence. So, um, that was kind of, uh, yeah, that was a sort of harsh moment. It's like, ah, okay. So, so I had invested sort of my, my, uh, my professional and my personal self 
in this arena. And it was a good lesson for me to go, no, 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 I need to separate the two. This is my professional arena and I can be personable and friendly and that sort of stuff, but make sure I have a life outside of that that is of value and I have friends that I appreciate and close to my family and hobbies and, and exercise and all that sort of stuff. Because yeah, that, that was a, that was um, a, a realization that, uh, you know, you can be hot and then not very, very quickly. Yeah. And you introduced me um, to a good friend of yours back in the day, uh, Ben Steele, who we also brought out a, a movie, didn't he? The show must go on. Yeah. About mental yes. health. Yeah. So, um, yeah. You was, did you co-produce that? Or you was a part of it, wasn't you? You was telling no, me. No, no, no. I, I was doing, I've been doing my own doco about mental health in the music industry, um, separate to, to his project. Um, and we'd sort of, we were three quarters of the way through shooting just before COVID hit. Um, so we're kind of waiting for, I mean, in Victoria, for everything to sort of open up a bit now, which is just about to happen. So we can, um, you know, get to New South Wales and finish shooting it. But um, we, we hadn't included any conversations about, uh, about COVID, obviously, because it hadn't happened. So now I'm kind of thinking we might have to go back and interview, re-interview everyone we've spoken to about what this process has been like for them. Um, because, man, I mean, artists have been hit, I mean, like a hell of a lot of people, but, um, you know, you run yourself as a business and um, there's been absolutely no work unless you've got students to teach or you've got savings or you've got residuals or you can somehow get on JobKeeper or Seeker. Um, it's been a, yeah, it's been a, it's been a sweat, you know, it's been really yeah. tricky. Well, for even for those people who said that they've never directly been affected by mental health indirectly, then all of a sudden COVID hit and now you're getting calls by going, my God, now I know what it feels like anxiety panic attacks depression and it's just mm -hmm. changed the ball game out of the park and i then i don't get into politics very often but when you see kind of you see oh. the health crisis going up and you're like you see a x amount of money going into certain things and you're kind of like yeah what's happening on the floor like if you actually split all that money up between people so they can pay rent we might not need additional resources in certain areas for a phone call because people can't pay the rent. That's why the mental health crisis is going up. So let's maybe put some of that government money into every community and go, right, we'll cover. I don't know the logistics of it. It's just completely. <laughs> well, one, one positive thing that I think has happened is, um, the mental health plan that the government have done that now you could, used to be able to have six free sessions, I think maybe six yeah, to eight, and now it's gone to 20 and that's staying there, which is fantastic, which is really, really great. Um, Cause I've, I've got someone I see every now and again. And he said, listen, man, it's yeah, th this for some people is the highlight of their week is seeing their therapist at the moment, you know, yeah. like people are on their knees and, and don't get me started with Dan Andrews. I mean, Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. I, I, I just, I just hope to God that people can, can just hang on for a bit longer and stuff opens up. It's just, it's just been devastating, man. I mean, um, thank God me and my missus, we moved to a country town or just out of a country town up around the Macedon ranges in Victoria. Um, and we got here sort of three or four months ago. So we've actually had sort of nature and a garden and, and veggies to grow and animals and all that sort of stuff, which has been our saving grace, you know? Um, yeah. But man, it's, it's, yeah, I'm kind of lost for words. Like I don't know where to start with the, with the whole thing. It's, um, it's just absolutely brutal. Um, 
I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of for people that have just been out of work. It's, I mean, this is kind of, I mean, it's not a, I don't want to sound negative, but this is kind of what like artists go through is like, you know, you, you might be working, 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 and then boom, it all goes. And you might be six months to a year out of a job. Um, and then, you know, it'll pick up again, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's brutal, man. I, I just, I, that's what I was going to say. Actually, I was speaking to a friend in this local town and she has a friend who works for a funeral company. And she said, we're getting, a, you know, between six to eight deaths um, locally a week that are all suicide and under 30 or under 40, you know, mm-hmm. like fucking wake up, protect the old people, protect the vulnerable, fucking get on with it. We are losing people at a, an alarming rate. This is fucking bullshit. Mm. Uh, anyway, that's how I feel about that. <laughs> no, I'm with you, mate. I'm with you. But going from, going from Australia in the public eye to then making a transition to the US, mm-hmm. how was that? That was, that was, a, that was a trip. It was like, I, I was ready for, for a new challenge. Um, I just finished my you home away it. country. Hey, you found it. <laughs> I didn't quite know what I was in for. I, I was really lucky to have a great agent and a great manager. And I, I didn't understand how lucky I was until sort of six months to a year down the track and realized, um, what other actors are going through and up against and how hard it is to find auditions and how hard it is to get meetings. And I was managing to get great auditions and great meetings. And so I was really, really lucky there. Um, it was, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't realize just how hard it was going to be. Um, when you sign with an agent, you know, they're promising you the world and, you know, we've got, you know, I was with UTA at the, at the time and that was Johnny Depp's um, agent and the Coen brothers. And we're like, Oh, we'll get you to do this. And we're going to make you a big movie star. And, you know, we'll get you in here and get you in there. I'm just like, Jesus, this is sounding too good to be true. So you sort of get swept <laughs> up in that. And then the reality hits and it's like, you're just another bare bum in the shower, just auditioning, auditioning, auditioning. Um, and, and what was, what was tricky that I'd never sort of been through was the audition process there. So, mm. um, you know, you audition, you do the cattle call, uh, then you get a call back. So you're down to the, you know, maybe the next 10. Then if you get through that, then you might meet the producers and, or the director or the showrunner. Um, then you audition again there and then they take the final three or four to do the studio test, which is the big one where you sign a contract and, you know, it's down to a couple of people and then you audition there. I was like, geez, I've got to do like four or five auditions just to get the gig. Um, and, and going through that process and getting to the studio test, you know, a bunch of times, but not getting the gig. Um, after a while that was like getting to a point where it's like, fuck, it's, it's, it, it was, yeah, it really, really smashes your mental health, uh, smashes your confidence, but it's a numbers game and that's, that's what it takes, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of great actors, you know, the, it, it seems like, oh, they just moved over to America and people forgot about them for a few years and they've popped up on, on a show and look at them, they're doing great, but it, it is not like that at all. You know, the dream of landing and working, I mean, it happened to one of my friends. Um, but I mean, take Chris Hemsworth, for example, and, and Liam, like they were busting their ass for three or four years. Absolutely. You know, no luck, um, on their knees, you know, and, and just an absolute wreck of going, I cannot, I can't do this anymore. Um, and, uh, and they stuck with it and perseverance and you know, the rest is history, but 
it takes people, you know, uh, you know, one bloke, it took six months. I saw other people that might take 10 years. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a hard sweat and you just got to, you know, bite down on your mouthpiece and walk forward and keep throwing punches, you know? <laughs> That's if like, if this campaign can like basically uncover that. So people just don't think it's as easy as what a highlight reel is. Cause I always say to people, so if I worked in fitness, I'm going to predominantly post fitness things for a fitness business. If I'm an actor, I'm going to post red carpets and events because that's my job. So when mm -hmm. people see these glossy pictures and they suddenly think, oh, that's the life, it's amazing. Behind the scenes, like you said, I think it was um, George Clooney that took maybe, what, 15 years or something before he got his first gig, like his proper first gig on that, not ER. Yeah, ER, but, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and I mean, Morgan Freeman, I was watching an interview with him the other day and it wasn't until he was like 55. Um, you know, um, Jack Nicholson was 39, 40. Um, I mean, you know, men do come into their sort of into their prime around sort of, you know, 35 to probably 55. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit different for females to males. Um, thank God there's more roles, I think, uh, around for, you know, women in their thirties, forties and upwards. Um, but no, it, it, it is, uh, it's hard, man. And, you know, and, and, and you might have a great grasp of this character and do a knockout audition. And they go, we loved you. We loved you. But, and the other guy's got bigger muscles or he's got brown eyes or he looks a little bit more what they want. And there's a lot of stuff that's out of your control. And yeah. that, that's, that's another thing that I had to learn is it's when sort of back to that other point, it's not Axel Whitehead. It's, 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 I'm doing a character and mm -hmm. I wasn't right for that guy. It's not me. I've done everything that, that, uh, that I've meant to, you know, I, I've rocked up, I've performed, I've done my work. Um, but it's just wasn't my day. And, and once, once you can, once I made that kind of, uh, that transition and, and, and understood it like that, it, it became, yeah, a lot easier. Well, I, I don't speak about this often, mate, but I actually, I was very fortunate and got invited to a, an Emmy event last time I was there. And, uh, gotcha. yeah, I, I was it? nearly, I was near, no, I wasn't. I, I basically, I had this guy come running through the crowds towards me and he was like, what are you doing here? And I was like, am I in the wrong place? I was like, I'm going to get thrown out or something. And he actually mistook me for Simon Pegg. <laughs> Do you know? yeah. I, was like, I, I get between Simon Pegg and Ronan Keating, if you know him, the Irish singer. And I was like, I have no idea who you are, mate. And then he was like, oh, you're not. I was like, no. And apparently he was like a producer. I was like, Shit, there we go. Ah, <laughs> uh, there was the gig. Like, oh, I'll be standing if I can get paid some cash. I, I don't care like that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh, man. Uh, what a there, like, I saw that side of things. I was fortunate, like I say, to go to this event. And I felt so out of place. And I saw everyone kind of schmoozing and talking and getting to know. And the person I was with, a good friend, was like, oh, you just have to get in there and talk to them. You've got like 10 minutes and da-da-da. And I was like, that's not me. I can't do that. Mm. So she said, just go and try. So I said, okay. I went to the bar for a beer <laughs> and I saw this one guy who was actually stood on his own and I stood next to him and I was like, mate, how do you do this? I was like, I just, I, I feel so uncomfortable. Anyway, got to know him, got to know he was just recently engaged. Um, he was a musician. He was doing all this. And then the next minute, 
his fiance came over and he was like, oh, Glenn, this is Mei Lin. She happened to be the star of the night. <laughs> and we talk all the time now, we swap numbers, we caught up the following day and I'm just like, well, there you go. It was like, I can't do that kind of like, and I Isn't just think that to anyone in the industry that how hard it is. It's, it's, it's well, I was just saying this to, 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 to my fiance um, about two days ago. I was just like, uh, this COVID thing has really brought it up. But it's, I mean, any sort of business deal and any way to, to sort of create a name or, or further yourself, it's about relationships, you know. It's mm -hmm. about, it's about, I used to be really good at it, but I've kind of slipped off and I've got a little bit lazy with schmoozing, working the room, keeping in contact with people. Um, like I used to, I used to really, when I was young and a bit more hungry, I would, you know, remember people's names, remember their kids' names, or even write it down in a little book and, and sort of, and do all that sort of thing. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it, it, it pays off because you're in people's minds and, and, you know, you've, you've, you've got to, you've got to work the room. Um, it is, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's easy to be forgotten about too. I've been out of the scene for a little while. I've been, uh, I've, year before last, I sort of spent the year in a hospital with back surgery and then I was recovering last year and it was a bit of a shitstorm. So I've sort of been out of the scene for a little while and it kind of just, it, it, it dawned on me just how important it is to be, you know, hustling, calling people, um, going to events. Um, uh, I am really lazy on social media. Um, I, I, I haven't had my hustle about me. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, you, you've just, just reminded me how I didn't need a real good kick in the ass. <laughs> Otherwise I'll be back to pulling beers at the pub. <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that, mate. There's nothing no, wrong. Exactly. Especially exactly. where you are. It looks, um, well, it's a podcast. So anyone who's listening, it looks amazing. <laughs> uh, yes. I'm sitting out with a little four acre block here and I've got a little dam down the front. I've just put yabbies in the dam. We've got some fruit trees. We're going to get some chooks. We've got a dog. Uh, I've got I have to explain what that all means in English, mate. Yabbies and chooks. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's living the country dream. I, I grew up on a sheep and crop farm in the Western District of Victoria, um, about 3,000 acres. And being close to talk about, I mean, a remedy for mental health. The only place I feel really connected to myself and I don't have um you know as much anxiety or as much depression or as much of a need to fill the void with a dopamine rush of gambling or drugs or alcohol is is nature nature to me is my is my savior and part of the reason was to move out to the country was to to have that connection you know i mean we're an hour from melbourne which is easy um but but to have to anim to have animals to get my hands dirty um, to be close to birds and trees and that sort of stuff. I just feel so much more relaxed and centered and uh, can appreciate more things in life rather than being on the treadmill and just kind of running, running, running the whole time. Um, yeah, yeah, this has been a great change and a great sort of upside to my mental health doing this. I think you can yeah. sense it when you've been through adversity yourself, like I have and all that, you can kind of pick up people's energy and you just seem like mellow, mate. You seem like you're enjoying mm. life. <laughs> oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm really lucky. I, I, I'm really lucky at the moment. And, um, it was funny. My, um, my fiance, she had moved, uh, she had come over to visit me, um, from the States in like February, late February. 
And by March, it was locked down. She couldn't get back. Um, and uh, she was she was stuck here. And then we thought, bugger it, let's just get, she got a friend to pack up her flat. We're shipping everything over and she's moved to Australia and we've moved to the country and raising animals and living in nature. So it's been, it's wow. something we've always wanted to do, but you know, not long ago, we we're on Venice Boulevard and Lincoln Boulevard in, in, you know, in Venice, in California, living on a really busy bloody uh, intersection in a loud, noisy apartment block, um, hustling. You've got choppers. I mean, anyone who lives in LA knows if you don't have, if you haven't been to LA, you know, you've got ambulances, you've got loud, this loud, that, a lot of people with mental health issues making strange noises at night. You know, it's it's a it's a pretty full-on sort of lifestyle. Um, and now to be staring at kookaburras and and um, you know all that sort of stuff is beautiful. Do you she's American? She uh, well, she's South African, but she's been in the states for twenty years. And how's she finding she the animals and the farm life? <laughs> loves it loves it absolutely loves it she's always wanted to uh to get back to nature um so the Ameri the australian culture is slightly different that she's kind of uh recognized and adapting to um the lack of kind of speaking up and you know she finds that australians are a little bit more subservient you know you sort of do what you're told and don't don't upset the apple cart and everyone's nice but doesn't really say how they're feeling um and that that's been a sort of uh, a perception of hers which i find interesting it's like no we're not no we're this that and the other it's like oh god we are kind of you know <laughs> you gotta yeah. pull back so just got two quick questions for you mate yes. um one of them would be what does being imperfectly perfect mean to you uh having the courage to be yourself and speak from your heart um, I think when we do, um, whether people judge you for it, there's going to be a whole lot of people that go, Oh my God, that is so, uh, alluring. And so it's, it's so relatable and it makes me feel great. And it makes me feel that I'm not alone. And it's, it's something that we can connect to on a visceral level that we all experience. And if we lead by example, we can create a healthier community. And, um, and I, I, I just encourage everyone to speak from the heart because even if, you know, as I said, if someone turns their nose up or judges you, there'll be a dozen other people that go, Oh my God, I feel that. And thank God you said that. Cause I don't have the confidence to reach out or I feel like I'm, I'm alone or I'm the only one suffering. So I just encourage people to, to, to make that leap and to talk and to reach out. And we are not alone. We are a human species. We are all connected and we all feel and go through struggles and it's part of the human condition. So, so reach out and, and love each other and talk. Love that. And I'm going to say it one more time because I always say this in the episodes now and it's because I've learned so much and the people that I have been brought to me. But you know what I heard was the quickest way to raise your vibration to attract the right people and the right things in your life is truth. Step into your truth. Right. Boom. Boom. That is so true. That's so true. And the purpose of life, mate, you know, when people think they've got their ultimate job or career and they go, I found my purpose. Like I initially thought it was this campaign, I'm so passionate about it, as you know, 
And I thought, oh, I found my purpose to serve people. And it got put to me. It was like, it's one side of your purpose, but the other side of purpose through life is to find out about you. Is that's yes. evolving. That's why we're learning and obstacles. <sighs> I was like, I've never been spiritual. And I say it in most of the podcasts now, I've never been spiritual, always on the fence. I'm just like, whatever, what comes and, and we'll see. But ever since I've started looking into more, working on myself, and then it's like, raise your vibration, step into your truth, just live un- unapologetically you, mm. regardless anyway. Mm. So these hard conversations and stepping into that truth, and you start, you start attracting the right kind of people, and then your life just... So that's cool. really, that's great, man. That's, thanks for reminding me of that, because uh, I, I've sort of... Uh, hit a bit of a crux. It's like in the entertainment industry, you know, there's an else, certainly in the acting thing, part of it is sort of being nice and being polite and, and you can do that, but you've got to, you know, keep your political views quiet. You've got to, you've got to sort of create this sort of persona um, to, to an extent. And listen, we all have to do it in every, in every, um, in every profession, you know, you've got your public persona and your private persona. But as for me, as I get older, I'm kind of going, fuck it. You know, what you see is what you get. I'm going to stand in my truth. I'm going to say what I believe. Um, uh, it, it may, you know, uh, my, my income may depreciate <laughs> because of it, but no, but, but, but not be callous and stupid, but, um, but yeah, speak your truth. Um, and, and, and walk into it and embrace it because that's, yeah, that was a, a great reminder. Thanks, man, to, to Mate, raise the vibration. Them. I'm full of them. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I'm full of crap as well, but there we go. <laughs> uh, we all are, man. That's beautiful. Um, uh, what's next for you? Uh, get through COVID, get this documentary finished. Um, I'm flirting with the idea of, of getting back to america but uh, i don't know just sort of see what's happening in australia um um trying other ways to sort of supplement my income um while this sort of low period has been on and um yeah get the hustle on and hopefully the final call and we'll get back into it start playing some gigs do some writing uh yeah see which way the wind blows but in the meantime um loving the country and loving nature and animals that's uh that's kind of, while I can, that's that's the focus right now. Nice. And I know you're not big on social media, man, but where can people find you? Oh, uh, Axel Whitehead, Instagram. And that's, I mean, I, I've got a Facebook that I barely check. Uh, yeah, Axel Whitehead on Instagram. That's probably, that's probably I post maybe once a month, man. I, uh, it's, every, <laughs> I every agent. Why not? <laughs> yeah, in, in every... Uh, you know, I've had a few different managers in different countries and they're all like, get your numbers up. You've got to get posting. You've got to create stories. You've got to do this. And it's just, ah, just a little bit of me dies inside. I just, uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't get on board. I can't get on board. And I'm sure elements of my career. Hey? Social media is a job in itself. Like when people it is like behind the scenes, this campaign, nine social platforms, I was doing two posts a day. Like, Jeez. All this time, oh, oh, really, every day. Holy <laughs> shit! On nine platforms, and that's what I mean when people suddenly come these big organizations and companies and go, "This is amazing. We want to collaborate." And I'm like, "Okay, but you guys are making all this money. Do you want to help us so we can put some money into programs and all this kind of stuff?" And they're like, 
oh, we just want to collaborate because we think what you're doing is amazing. I'm like, do you actually realize I've got a full-time job? I also do social media twice a day, nine platforms. I also network. I've never, like, I never knew you before. never knew the entertainment industry. Never knew how to, I just picked up the phone, asked you all, and somehow you all believed in this guy. (laughs) (laughs) And give me a chance. And here we are today. But still, mate, behind the scenes, someone once told me this, what you guys are always told, this perception thing. This is why I step into my truth because someone said, this is so big and everyone on the outside thinks it's a huge organization. So you need to team out there and you need to do this. I'm like, that's not my truth. I like showing behind the scenes because it's in hard work. And it was like, oh, well, that's this industry and you need to get that from that, that from that, that from that. And I was like, that's not me. Yeah, respect, man. Respect. Isn't isn't it interesting when, when, when a brand kind of... I mean, yes, if you look at it from a corporate sense, there's brand awareness and there's alliances and there's ways to sort of further that. Um, But there's also the grassroots element. And I think that you maintaining that integrity and and, and showing that, and that is the driving force. That's a really beautiful, strong thing, you know, and and hats off to you again, man. Like you're working your ass off and you help, you know, you, you are changing lives and it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I just hope that, you know, you're attracting all that love and support is coming back to you too. Cause you, you really are, you know, you'll be up for a, a, an Australian honor. Well, mate, Something I'm Australian award. going to see me soon. I'm going to be the next Jay Shetty and I'm going to be a monk. I'm going to go out in the wilderness. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I'm finding my peace. Oh, awesome. But I, I just want to say, mate, on behalf of myself on the campaign for everything you do and your advocacy and coming on, I appreciate you, man, and I appreciate everything you do as well. So for anyone Thanks, listening, man. guys, you can go to iHeartRadio or Spotify to find this episode. It will be out in the next two weeks, so I'll put all the links up to Axel. Bearing in mind, you might get a message or you might not back, but <laughs> it might be socials. <laughs> but uh, until yeah, next time, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, make sure you send me the link so uh, so I can post it and, and uh, get my That'll husband. That'll be your first post in like a year. <laughs> it will be. <laughs> but guys, until next time, thank you, Axel, for being a part of the show, being a part of the campaign. Appreciate it. Thanks, mate. Lots of love. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.